0: for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. To, the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil.
1: Thank you, Melody. So we are picking up where we left off two Sundays ago in this series called Beginnings. Uh, we're walking, going to be walking through uh, in sections, not detailed chapter by chapter. Uh, through the book of Genesis, because it is a foundational book for all of Scripture, for God's plan of salvation. Everything begins in Genesis, and that's why it's called Beginnings, which is the the meaning of the word Genesis. So we're going to be picking that up. Last week, uh, Pastor Paul spoke on shame, and we're going to touch on that again today because of what uh, chapter 3 deals with. But uh, we're, we're just going to uh, keep going through Genesis because... Knowing the Word of God is essential to knowing God, because if you want to get to know someone, you've got to know about them, you've got to know how they work, how they operate, you know, how they communicate, and so that's why we continually encourage you to just continue to read the Bible, even if it's a chapter a day or a few verses a day, eventually, we'll, over the years, we get to know the Lord God better and better. So we're in chapter three today. Uh, we've dealt with chapters one and two in the first message, chapter three today, chapter four next week, but then we'll be doing chunks uh, because uh, Genesis is stories uh, of people, and so we'll be jumping into those stories. You know, the more years we live, the more years that we will witness people in positions of power fail, crumble, um, their integrity lost. And then their respect in society lost because uh, of the sinful heart that we all bear, in which Chapter Three talks about. From presidents to politicians to priests to pastors, we see this time and time again that they f- they stumble, they fall to corruption, to greed, to self-fulfillment, self-gratification over what God has called us as leaders to do. But why does this happen again and again? I mean, I've got a few years and some of you here, some of you are older than I am, but it seems like the longer we live, the more we just see this pattern repeat itself over and over again. Why is this? And the latest example of this is New York Governor Cuomo, right? He just resigned because of New York uh, Attorney General just finished this report saying, confirming that he has sexually harassed multiple women. And, uh, and you know, and, and sometime after that announcement, then Governor Cuomo resigned uh, or announced his resignation. It's going to happen in uh, a week or so. But if you noticed in that announcement that he made of his resignation, he never admitted to doing anything wrong. He he apologized for how offended the women were by his actions, but he never admitted that what he did was wrong. Actually, his reason for resignation was because he didn't want the government to spend all its efforts and, and resources on the impeachment process, so he spared them of that by resigning. You know, our sin will be revealed, the scriptures say, over and over again at some point. And whether or not it's as public as <laughs> Cuomo's, right? And the whole world knows or the state or the country, it probably won't be. Uh, but whatever, whenever it's revealed, it will be damaging to our life in some way because it already is damaging to our life, even privately when it's not known. Do you notice that often we refer to the things that we do wrong as mistakes? Oops. Oops. <laughs> you know, like, like we didn't intend it, you know, but actually we did, but we always refer to it as mistakes. In some cases, we have to say, yeah, they are mistakes, but in most cases, they're not mistakes, are they? We do these things intentionally. Imagine someone saying, for example, yeah, I'm just really sorry, you know, I just didn't know armed robbery was a crime. My mistake, you know? You know, and we think that's kind of silly, but often we speak like that about the things we do or say when we say things like, well, you know, I just brought up that way. I, I, I mean, that's, you know, we're kind of blaming our families or our parents. You know, my mom made me this way. You know, that's why I do these things. You know, it's not my fault. We kind of say that. We're making it like it's our mistake that we're this way. You know, redefining or diminishing sin is very common, Today, in in our society, even in ourselves, and we don't like to take responsibility for the things that we do wrong, and so we call them mistakes. So, what is a mistake? Well, um, whoops, there we go. What is a mistake? A mistake is defined as an error in action, calculation, opinion, or a judgment caused by poor reasoning, carelessness, insufficient knowledge, etc. So, in other words, it's an error that we make unintentionally now though it could be a result of maybe intentionally saying yeah I'm gonna be lazy and careless but then what we do wrong is not it's actually unintentional still we were intentionally being lazy and careless but you know what we do wrong is unintentional still but what is sin when you think of sin sin is defined as an immoral act that is a transgression against God's law so sin is deliberate most of the time, there is, you might very rarely sin unintentionally because of your ignorance or my ignorance, right? But most of the time, almost all the time, we will sin and we will make a decision to sin against God's law. It's not accidental. It's not a mistake. So the first example of sin we see is in, in our text today, Genesis 3. And so I'm going to read the first three verses again with this in mind. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say, or God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now let's stop right there. A couple things to note here. The serpent is really Satan and uh, in disguise. And we get this image as well in other parts of Scripture, uh, especially in Revelations. And by the way, we're doing a Revelation study on 10 o'clock every Sunday morning, just a little plug there. But in Revelations chapter 12, look what it says there describing Satan. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. See, temptation to sin often comes in disguise. And usually disguise is something that we invite into our lives. Something that looks good. Now also note here in uh, verses 1 through 3 of Genesis 3 that Eve's version of God's commandment is not quite accurate. Actually, she added something to his commandment. Uh, Listen to what the original commandment was given to Adam before Eve was created. Listen to what it is in chapter 2 of Genesis. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So there's nothing mentioned here about touching it. Right? You go back, right? Look at what Eve said. You can't eat of it and cannot touch it. So she added this phrase. Why? Well, maybe when Adam shared the command with her after she was created, he added it. Kind of, kind of say just don't even get near it, you know, don't even touch it. Or maybe she added it. But you know we don't, we don't really know. But the point here is when we don't understand God's word accurately, then we'd leave ourselves open to misinterpretation or adding things to God's word that isn't there and then that opens us up to temptation and sin. So again, it's coming to know God's word is essential to understanding his character, his promises, and what he expects of us. It's so important to know his word. Then the more we don't know and understand the Bible accurately, then the more that you and I will fall to temptation and sin against him. And that's why reading the Bible regularly, joining a Sunday class or a Bible study during the week online or whatever way we can to learn God's word at a regular pace. It's kind of like eating. We need regular food to survive. Well, same with God's word. So let's look at verses 4 and 5 again. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Satan lies. He goes right again, contradicting God's word. God said, you will surely die. He says, I will not surely die. And he's weaving with this lie some truth in it. Uh, Listen to what Jesus said of Satan, how he describes Satan in John chapter 8. It's interesting here. He says, he's speaking to the Jews. Okay, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is Satan's lie to you and me, to Adam and Eve. You can sin, and you can get away with it. You can sin, and it doesn't matter you can get away with it. Go ahead. This is his lie. But the truth remains, as we see in our chapter 3 of Genesis, that the penalty of sin is death. And that's, that's pretty serious. You know, think about it. Lying is so acceptable now in our culture today. It's part of our culture. And matter of fact, it's getting hard to tell the difference between Fake news and real news, right? <laughs> Lying and truth, especially on the internet. I mean, I don't know if you have friends or family members that pass along these things to you and forward it and say, hey, did you know this? And it's some, you know, urban myth or something on the internet. And it's just totally fake when you look into it. But they're passing it on because they don't know the difference between truth and lie. I mean, parents lie to their kids all the time, children lie to their parents quite often probably all the time. We lie about our age, our weight, our income, our plans. Uh, You know, when somebody asks us something, we say, oh yeah, we're busy, I'm busy. But that just means like, I don't want to do this with you. I'm not really busy, you know, but we, we lie. We don't tell the truth. We lie about our feelings. We lie about the things we've done wrong to hide them and cover them up and keep from being discovered and exposed. And the habit of covering up These things that we've done wrong started back in the Garden of Eden in chapter 3 here. Look at verses 6 through 9. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? It's interesting that Eve and Adam believed that they could gain knowledge by eating this fruit rather than going to God himself for the source of what they wanted to gain. And the same applies to each of us. Whenever we look to anything else other than the Lord God creator for something we want to gain, then we are actually sinning because we are looking at that thing or that whatever it is and making it more worthy than the Lord God himself. And that's exactly what they did here. And so each of us face similar choices day to day. Every day, you and I have to make a choice. What's more important? Am I going to value my job or the Lord God? Am I going to value my own life or the Lord God? Or it just it plays out. Relationships, everything comes to this kind of decision. And what will we choose to do? Adam and Eve chose to disobey. And how they responded to their sin is now a pattern that has inflicted us from then until now. And it's something that you and I continue to struggle with. That is our default. And that pattern is our response to sin. Cover up and hide. That's what we do when we do something wrong. Adam and Eve's eyes, it says, were open. Meaning they now understood good and evil because they had participated in evil. They had experienced it coming from them by disobeying God's command. And then the shame they felt infected their very soul, their person. And so that's why all of a sudden, as the scriptures say, their eyes were opened. They became aware that they were naked. I mean, they were naked before, right? But they just didn't, was no bother to them. It was okay. But now because they felt shame, Remember the difference between shame and guilt. Guilt is for something we did wrong. Shame is saying, I am wrong. Right? And so that's, they felt that now. We are just wrong. And by the way, I'm naked. <laughs> you know? And, and so they, they go and they try to get something to cover up. And that's it. And then what do they do? They go hide. Right? They felt vulnerable, they, ex- they felt exposed deep down to their soul and also physically and so they cover up and so you can see all of us today I can say for those of you online everybody here is covered up you know it continues on this pattern we all are still part of this shame this depraved nature that has been passed on to us from Adam and Eve and so they go out and they go get some fig leaves and they go try to cover up and then they hide when they hear the Lord God coming. See, sin causes us to this desire to cover up and hide from God. And when we sin, we don't want God around because his presence in and of himself reveals our sin, makes us feel naked in front of him and exposes our dirtiness. And so we try to hide our sin and cover up what we've done. Think of something in your life now that maybe you've kept secret. You're silent about it. Why? It's usually stemming from shame. Because the three things that make shame grow and fester is secrecy, silence, and judgment. And so the more we keep things secret that we've done wrong, then that just breeds it. It actually causes it to fester. I remember very clearly one time I did this. I was, I think I was in about high school. It's very clear in my mind. It's burned into my memory. And I was with my family visiting my relatives in Iowa. They're all farmers, and so they have machine sheds and barns, and my, we were at my grandfather's place, and being a city kid, they called me, or suburban kid, um, I was thrilled because my grandfather said, hey, uh, here's my BB gun, and go out and shoot the pigeons that are nesting in my barn and machine shed." So I'm like, yeah go get to shoot things this is awesome so I took the BB gun out and I was you know trying to shoot the pigeons that were all in his barn and and machine shed I was in the machine shed and I remember I I aimed and I shot and I missed the pigeon and I hit the the cab that he had hanging in there that they used in the winter time to put over the tractor This is an old tractor, so it didn't have a cab. So they put it on top to protect the person driving from the weather. And it hit the window, the BB did, and it shattered the window of the cab. And I felt horrible. I was ashamed of what I did. So I went and lied to my grandfather to cover that up. I said, oh, Grandpa, you know, I was... I was aiming and trying to shoot the pigeons and I missed the pigeon, but the pigeon, while it was flying away, re- flew so hard it hit the window and broke the window. And, uh, you know, thinking back now, my grandfather, I'm sure, realized that the pigeon's not going to break the window. <laughs> but in his graciousness, he didn't say anything. He was like, oh, okay, don't worry about it. You know, in his grace, he just left it at that. He didn't, he didn't hold me accountable. But I lied. I wanted to cover it up. I wasn't willing to say the truth. In Genesis 3, notice what God did when he was there in the garden. First thing he does when Adam and Eve were hiding from him among the trees in the garden. God knew what had happened, for he knows all things. He knows all your deep secrets and mind. Of course he knew what had happened with Adam and Eve. Um, he knew where they were hiding. It was very interesting, though, that the first thing that God said was this question, where are you? Why do you think God asked that question if he already knew where they were? I mean, like, he's the GPS. <laughs> he knows where all of us are, right? He's location sharing. <laughs> Why do you think God asked that question to them? Was he, did he have, like, a brain freeze? You know, like... Oh. Where are they? I don't don't know where they are. Why would he ask that question? Well, God was giving them the opportunity to fess up, to respond and share what had happened with him. He was asking them, where are you? He wanted them to confess what they had done. And this is God's response to sin. He calls each of us to fess up to him what we've done. Now, notice Adam is still in cover-up mode, though, when he responds. He doesn't confess at first, right? Let's look at verses 10 through 12. And this, and Adam said, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. That's it. (laughs) That's all he says. And then God said, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, Adam, the woman you gave, me, you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Adam finally confesses to eating the forbidden fruit after all these qualifying things, after blaming God for giving him this woman and then blaming Eve for giving him the fruit that he just, I guess, had to eat, you know. Um, he's, he's blaming them, but he did confess Finally. the Lord God and if you go on and read uh, Eve does the same thing she blames the serpent and then confesses yeah uh, he deceived me but yeah I ate notice that God's response to sin was not to wait for Adam to come to him but he went to them he went to the garden was walking in the garden and looking for them he was taking initiative that's important because then when he found them, or of course, <laughs> he was close enough to ask, hey, where are you? Kind of like when we do hide and seek with the little kids, you know. We know exactly where they are, but we pretend like we don't know. Hey, where are you? Where are you going? Oh, there you are. Hey, you know, and they're all excited. <laughs> right? It's kind of why I feel like God is like, I know exactly where they are. you know, But he's, he's just giving them the chance to respond and confess their sin. You know, this is the pattern of God throughout the whole Bible. He comes to us, and he's asking us the same question. Where are you? And it says, tell me what's going on. Tell me what you did. Come on, just fess up. And this is how God continues to deal with our sin today, in and through Jesus Christ. If you think of the truth of the gospel, and this is the amazing thing here, is that God the Son came to us. Why? Because of our sin. He came to walk among us, live among us, to walk with us just as the Lord God did in the garden. He came and became flesh, God the Son, to be with the sinful humans. And that is to give us the opportunity and the ability to confess and be forgiven because he took that penalty then on himself so that when we do fess up, forgiveness can be granted. Because he already took the penalty. I mean, does that, that is amazing love. He just wants, We just need to confess and turn from our sin, repent from our sin, but accept his forgiveness. Because, you know, as with Adam and Eve, the same applies to us. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus our Lord. So, this means that our sins can no longer be held against us if, and only if, we follow Jesus in faith and belief as Lord. That's our way out. Oh, yeah, by the way, he said he is the way. (laughs) Yeah, so that is our way out. And so Jesus' death on the cross was effective for all time and for all people. So, you you know, some people ask pastors, you know, what about all the people before Jesus came? Hey, they are covered because Jesus, the infinite God, became flesh. And so that infinite act that he did on our behalf covers all time and all people if and only if for those who follow. But listen to Romans 5 verses 18 and 19 speak of this. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, talking about Adam and Eve here, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification, which means to be called and made righteous, that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, which means that's why we're messed up, Uh, so also through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. Now the many who will be made righteous are those who have placed our faith in Christ and follow him as Lord. It's not just belief in Jesus. We've got to follow Jesus, as he said, come follow me. That's not this easy believism, come down the aisle, raise your hand, fill out a card, and that's it, you're in, life insurance. No, he's saying, you've got to follow me. If you love me, you'll obey me. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And then Romans 5, a little earlier in that chapter, emphasizes this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Face it, we've all deliberately disobeyed God. We all sin, as Romans 6 says, we all sin and fall short, of God's glory. And this is not meant to be an excuse, like, yeah, I'm just human. (laughs) No, it's actually condemnation because we all deserve to die. And Jesus, God the Son, calls out to us in this state, where are you? Just like he, he did in the garden. Adam and Eve, where are you? He comes to us and asks us, where are you? This question, where are you? Are you willing to tell me the things that you're struggling with, the things that you've done wrong? Because actually, I've already taken care of it all. All you need to do is follow me. Those things, don't sweat those things. Just follow me and I'll enable you by my power to do what's right. Just trust me. He gives us the divine opportunity to confess our sin and place our faith in him. And this is to be a daily process, a momentary process for each of us because we are sinful and we're going to continue to struggle with this. I do. I, your pastor, sin. And the process that God is desiring for you and me to do in Christ is to come to him and confess and experience that Again, the gospel truth is that we are free from the guilt of our sin. It doesn't mean we just go out and keep doing it because, hey, I got a free pass. No, we are desiring not to do this by his power. You know, First 1 John 1, nine speaks of this ongoing process. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, then the question always often gets to me is like, well what if we don't confess our sin? Are we are we screwed then? Like I forgot one sin. Oh no, no, Jesus took care of it all. But what this is pointing to is a process, an ongoing heart issue. If we ongoing think of your life now. Think of my life. This is contemplative time for me too. Do we have a regular habit of confession? Or do we live just ignorant of our sins? avoiding our sins, denying our sins. If that's our heart, then that is a serious heart issue. I would question if we're following Jesus, if we don't have any habit of confession of sin, any awareness of our sin. Our eyes are not opened to our sinfulness. We, we have a serious heart issue there. Where are you today? In Christ, we can break this pattern of hiding and covering up, but only in Christ Jesus. So are you hiding among, uh, hiding from God in your, the busy life, the trees of your busy life? You know, in a sense, you're so busy, you don't have time to think about these things. Maybe you're just avoiding that issue. But God is calling you today through Christ. Where are you? Fess up. I've taken care of it. Trust me and follow me because I am the way that will make your life oh so good. And he so much wants us to fess up and let him help us make things right in our life as he then declares us right in his eyes in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the the truth of your gospel and how it pierces our hearts and souls. But Lord, we know and we confess that though oftentimes we may think this gospel is so familiar to us, we confess that we don't live like it is that familiar to us. And Lord, we pray that Cornerstone would be an example and a carrier of this gospel truth, not just to those who don't follow you yet, but to each other within us, our body and community, reminding and encouraging each other that we are forgiven, that we no longer need to bear shame and guilt, and that you have called us to go and sin no more. Lord, may this truth pierce us down to the bone, to the core of our souls, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.